0: Thank you for joining us for Sermons on Demand from Friendship Grace Brethren Church. We provide these videos as a way to share the pulpit messages and teachings offered at Friendship Grace Brethren Church. If you find these videos a helpful resource, please drop us a note at info at friendshipgracebrethren.com. Now open your Bibles and get ready to dig into the Word of God. Father, thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for loving us and... uh, calling us to be your children thank you that you have included us in your plan for reaching the world with the gospel and as we continue to uh, look at ways that 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 we're to effectuate that we we trust that what we learn from this series through uh, uh, dr tackett would uh, in would cause us would invigorate us to to figure out how to talk to our neighbors and our friends and our co-workers and and family, about you and and how we're to, uh, to to minister who you are to them. Thank you for all the blessings that you give us. Thank you for loving us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are uh, looking at tour seven, the uh, the vision. We saw the entire tour last week. It was forty seven minutes long, so we made it through that and we're going to go through the the uh, the student question and answer it's about 25 minutes so we'll have lots of time and and then just a couple minute uh, preview of, of tour eight we're nearing the end and tour eight will be a another hard hitter just like tour seven was so any questions or comments about this series before we get going Everybody's frozen solid. Okay, here we go, tour seven, question and answer.
1: Did anything strike you in this tour? Is the tour looking at truth? And maybe we looked at truth in a little different way than we normally look at it. But I think we looked at it aright.
2: I think if like fruit is not about us and wisdom is not about us and truth is not about us, like I, I thought I just had to die once, you know? (laughs) Like I thought, I thought it was like, you know, lose your life to find it. And I really thought that was just for salvation, but there's just a whole lot more dying to myself that I get to do.
1: Well wow, that's powerfully said Esther.
3: I know I continuously get convicted and humbled through this whole through every tour. And what you stressed earlier about how our desire hasn't we've got to make sure that our desire doesn't turn into something different. Like our agenda and that goes back to every day we've got to die to ourselves because that can happen easily, and I think that's happened to me. That's maybe why I was kind of called out of where I was.
1: Hmm. Well, you and me, brother. And you know what Doug said is true. I mean, we're, when we speak truth, we're basically pointing to Christ. But we need to be wise. And God speaks in objective language. So, I have to continually, Sir Mark, say, not my will, but your will be done, because it, 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 honestly, it is the most insidious thing. That's why I call it the Death Star Lie. I mean, it just, continues <laughs> just like it has, has this hold on me, and it keeps pulling, pulling back, but you remember that this is where we live. We don't live here. Someday, someday, we will be over here. And what a glorious day it will be. But today, in this epic, and we'll be till this epic is over, we, fo- we feel this pull, this constant pull. And one of the things I feel all the time is this pull back into the Death Star Lie. It's all about me. It's all about my script. This is where I'm going to feel significance. I want to feel significance. This is where I'm going to feel peace and happiness and contentment. I want to feel all those things, and so I've got to get my script fulfilled. And the Lord and brothers and sisters, speaking through brothers and sisters, You know, hits me over the head. So, yeah, you and Mark, you, you, Mark and me were the only two, I guess. (laughs) I like what you said about um, if you are excited to speak Uh, the truth, then there's probably not a lot of love there. If you're fearful, then there's probably not a lot of truth there.
3: And what I've found is that when I want to say
1: something, I probably shouldn't. But if I am fighting whether or not to say something, I probably should. Well, I will also add this, Joel, and that is that... um, and we need to be, we are always wanting to hear the Spirit of God leading us. Always. We need to be, you know, we are led by the Spirit of God. And we. And those are not mince words there. We are led by the Spirit of God. That's not something weird. It's not something that is out of line. That's what the Scripture says. We need to be sensitive to hear his leading. And, and he will never lead us in a way that is inconsistent with what he has taught us in his word. Never. So I have found oftentimes when I long to speak truth to someone, I have to stop and think, why do I want to do that? Mm -hmm. Especially if it's not in the context of a relationship, where I know it will end up being a battle of wits and words. And yet there are times where we need to be a witness. There are times when we need to be a witness. I think we have a tendency to be a little farther on the other side if you're excited about speaking truth. Um, and as you just said, if we're frightened of speaking truth then we're way on the other side and we'd rather not engage at all. So, you know what's interesting, Joel, is that I find myself in both camps. Sometimes I find myself excited about speaking truth. And that is usually when I think I can get the upper hand. And sometimes I'm frightened by that, and that's usually when I don't think I can. Mm. Or when I think, and this is, I'm just being honest and real with you, or when I think that there will be no significance from doing that.
4: Mm.
1: So, and I'm not trying to get us into some sort of uh, quagmire with ourself and all of that stuff, you know, but the grace of God, you know, we can't speak a word. But these are things that uh, we need to reflect on and and talk about. So, I think the most important thing is for us to understand, what is the purpose of truth? What? What is the purpose of truth? Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And that is what we seek. We want to seek that. So anything? Yes.
5: Ever since the Truth Project, um, the Lord has taken me on a a life journey of seeking the truth and pursuing the truth and loving the truth. Um, And over those years, I've... um, you know, I've spent more time studying the scriptures and studying theology and apologetics and all this kind of stuff and i the Lord Every once in a while convicts me. Why are you doing this? Are you doing this just to have a bigger head? Mm. Uh, just to have more knowledge just to have better argument um, But then I'm faced with exactly what you just spoke of um, why am I doing this am I doing this just for me or am I doing this out of uh, true love Uh, for, for, for the neighbor. And, uh, and it got me thinking um, during this tour, um, if I ever were to present truth without love, would this really be truth or would it be some form of diluted truth? Mm. And would this harm my witness even more, even though I'm talking about the ultimate truth of God?
1: Well, that's an honest statement and and you on know, that convicts me too because i i know i do that i used to do it a lot and i really when i look back i it was all for me really and it was all for me i know it wasn't driven by a true agape love for people now we're frail remember we we can't be perfect you know this <laughs> You know, we will never be perfect in all of this, but, you know, we want to draw closer and closer to Christ. And the the closer we get to the crown jewel, to understand, and that's what we're going to do in our next tour, Doug, to help us understand just how much he loved us and that should help us in our motivation for loving others. Yes, Catherine.
6: I was just thinking about how the more I learn about what the Lord is calling us to do, the more I marvel at Him, you Hmm. know, because if He's not asking us to do anything He hasn't done or isn't doing presently, and it's so others-oriented, it's so others-centered, and, you know, and the fact that we can't do it perfectly but he's doing it perfectly, and he's perfect in doing it. Makes me just, you know, like like you say, who is this God? Yeah. Um, and I loved what you said too about when we were talking about Rosaria, and you were saying, you know, do you believe that God can do this? Not about Rosaria, but about can He use you? And I struggle sometimes because I feel like I so often get in the way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Lord, you know, do I believe that You can use me in all my imperfections and all my strugglings with my own agenda and um, but I know that if He's given us His command, nothing, more, nothing will delight Him more than to pray for that, than to ask Him to continually to work in us to fulfill that command, and I know that He'll answer that prayer, um, however imperfect I or we might be. So it's just, I don't know, I'm marveling, I guess, currently.
1: Let's go back again to, to who God is and how He works. And what we see over and over again. God does not use the polished jewel. Mm-hmm. He and you remember Paul? Remember, Paul is asking God to remove whatever it was. We don't know what it was. He said the thorn in the flesh. Um, you know, some people think it had to do with his eyesight that he had some kind of problem. Uh, with his vision that maybe that's what it was. We, we don't know. I personally think it's the same thing I cry about, and that's I want to get rid of this sinful nature. It's a thorn in my flesh. I hate it. We don't know. But what we do know is that Paul is crying because he knows he's got problems. He knows he's got limitations and so forth. And what did God say?
6: My grace is sufficient for you.
1: My grace is sufficient for you and my...
6: Strength. Perfect
1: and weakness. Yeah. So, what we know from that is that God's glory is made known through us. Our weakness, the vessels that are broken and cracked, and all of that. Now, don't we wear the white robe of Christ? In the eyes of God, we wear the white robe of Christ. You know, we, we, His righteousness has been imputed to us. But we walk in this fallen vessel, and God glorifies himself in this fallen vessel. So, trying to make ourselves perfect in order for him to use us is kind of like going in the wrong direction. That doesn't mean that we don't strive in that sanctification process, but we don't ever begin to think that, well, God can't use me until I get everything in, until I get my act together. So that's just not true.
5: That reminds me of the genealogy of Christ.
1: Pardon me? It
5: reminds me of the genealogy of Christ in the um, oh, opening chapter of Matthew. It's like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> Some of these people, like, I would never think uh, would oh. be listed yeah. in Christ's genealogy.
1: Yeah, if you and me would say, now, nah, I don't think this is the right way. You know, this is... You know, this is not a good sign here, or this is not a good seed line, you know. But, but that, you're exactly right. Oh, my goodness. And guess what? We're in that seed line. We are. We're part of that seed line. It's all about Him, not about us. It's all about Him and what He wants to do through us. That's the bottom line. That's why he sends us. <laughs> That's why he's given us his word. That's why he's come to dwell within us. So, Okay, anything else? I just wanted
3: to maybe point out that I think the ineffectiveness of this discussion of being eager to share truth without love or being... Um, excited about sharing love without truth is most apparent on the platforms of social media and it's Mm. very obvious to me and I have deep regrets for the way that I might have played it some role in that Mm. because obviously it's influential in the culture right now and it's obvious that people are very excited to share what they think is the truth and it's not helpful
1: you will run into this if you begin to walk forward in this way, you will run into this again. We talked about it in the past. We'll, we'll mention it again that the world, I think the enemy will constantly pull you back into thinking it's got to be big. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be big. And, and most of that will come as a result of thinking that you've got to be significant and you're not significant unless it's big. And I think Jesus is continually calling us back and saying, no. You know, I I want you to do what I've asked you to do. And your significance comes from me, not from the world around you. I have, you know, you think about what Christ has done for us. I mean, what could make us more significant? Do you remember Ralph McLean? I mean, what an I You know, this young girl, you know, all the horrors that he went through in the POW camp, this little girl saying, sir, would you do it again? And he said, yes, for you. And that's what Jesus, you know, he said, if you were the only one on the roll, he would have done it all for you. Oh my goodness, we don't need any more significance. We don't need any significance. I mean, the significance of some person over there is nothing. Compared to that? It's all about Him. And what He wants to do through you.
5: But it's hard, because sometimes we get so stuck in what we see with our limited eyesight that we forget the unseen.
1: Yeah. That's why I need you. I, I get blind sometimes. I get caught up in something sometimes. And you need a brother or sister say, I have a good, okay, I've got a, I've got a, um, a friend who is a real close friend. He's moved away. We're still, we're geographically separate and we don't get to talk as much as we want, but we, we are committed to each other. And I'm going to talk about 2 Corinthians 2, uh, probably on our last tour that I may have done this in class anyway. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession and manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place, that we are to manifest the sweet aroma of Him, and we have a tendency to manifest the the stinky odor of us. We want people to smell us. And so we have a a little phrase when we're talking to each other, and it just goes like this, I smell you. and we know exactly what that means i said oh man you're right it's that's all i'm doing here i'm just trying to smell good and i want other people to smell me and it doesn't smell good you know and so my friend says i smell you And i say, thank you i said so we need each other right because we that's our you know we're in this world we're all tr- we should be sw- swimming upstream, but we need to swim upstream together because we help each other. Somebody's falling behind, we pull up because they'll pull us up. You know, somebody gets caught on a twig, somebody gets caught in an eddy flow, and we, we help, each that's God's design. You know, we're all we're all doing this together, and he wants us to do it together, and it's best done in those small groups. Okay, one more, any more? Esther.
2: When you said, you know, would you love your neighbor if your neighbor never comes to Christ? And you're just like, moved on. i <laughs> um, Are we supposed to like keep loving our neighbor 500 times over for dinner, 600 times over for dinner? Like because that's Christ's love for them, like that that Christ doesn't wish anyone would perish, that he wants everyone to come to repentance. Like, is that is you know, like I'm, that's like really hard to do, you know? Because there does come a point where like it is hard to go deeper in relationship if you don't share some of those common values.
1: Yeah, that's true. I understand that. So
2: yeah. there's like a nugget there that I'm like, Wanting to know about God? Is it just because that is how, like, His general grace towards mankind is just so patient and long suffering with them that, like, we're called to try to look like that?
1: Well, you know these things as well as I do. How often are we to forgive someone? How many times did Jesus say?
2: Seven. Seven.
1: Seven. which really means
2: unconditionally
1: unconditionally forever. Uh, God sends the rain upon the just and the, just and the unjust. God's common grace is extended to all. So I would ask you this. Okay, I'm going to be, I, you know, I love you, Esther. And so we can say these things, right? Can you imagine at some point that you have had Rosaria Champagne over to your house <clears throat> and this is the 400th dinner. You've been marking them.
4: <laughs> 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 it's, it's a 400th dinner over for dinner.
1: <laughs> And at some point, let's say you had a vision, I don't know, we, I don't know how we, because we don't, aren't omniscient. We don't know who the elect, we don't know. But let's just say you had a vision or whatever saying you know Rosaria is never going to come to Christ. Can you imagine yourself calling Rosaria and saying Rosaria let's cancel dinner tonight because I don't think you're ever going to come to Christ
2: and No, a like, guy I hope I wouldn't do that. And I but know I you would, would grieve I would grieve. I would like Sure. And sometimes there does come a point in relationships when you're like you know, it's up to God, you know, that God does it. And so it can just be, but, but I feel like what's going to help me to like ask the 401st time (laughs) is to like, know that that, because that's God's posture towards her. So that's what I'm, what's like the mystery that I'm trying to like.
1: I don't think it's a mystery, Esther. I think, I think all it is, is to say God has called you to love her. with no agenda, with no expectation, love her. And so that doesn't matter whether that's the first time or the 500th time or the 700th time, okay? You know, this this could be, you know, Maude Jones. And the story isn't the story of, of Rosaria, this is Maude Jones. And, you, and, you, and she's been your neighbor for 40 years. And now you look like me. <laughs> and, but, and yes, I understand exactly what you're saying because after that length of time and you have built a relationship with them and now you're also dealing with this um, phileo love that begins to build in you. You have a, an affection to people. But I'll tell you, I know people that are in relationships like this. I don't have one exactly like this, but I've seen people in this relationship where there are people who are very, very close and, and uh, one will say, I know you want me to come to Christ. Yeah, you know, I because they have become so close, they talk openly about that. And yes, yes, you may be grieved in that, but you are continuing to walk that path. Because remember, he is the one that has to do this. He's the one who has to open eyes. He's the one who has to open hearts. He's the one uh, who has to grant repentance. He has to do that. So now, is this easy? No, I understand exactly what you're saying. But you know, that's part of what it means To build a relationship with people, uh, sometimes it's going to be difficult. And this is one of those difficult things when our heart aches for those we love. Let me tell you this. There are people whose heart aches for their children who do not know the Lord and are in rebellion. There are people whose hearts ache for relatives in that way, and it hurts. The difference is that they can't have a relationship in some cases. At least with, with Maude, you can continue the relationship and pray and seek God in that, but rest in Him. Because when we get frustrated in this is when we have written our script as to how and what will happen with Maud, And that's not yours to write. Our job is to love. Does that help a yeah. little bit? I know it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't put salve on that hurt, but okay.
0: So just a couple of things I want to uh, want to address in uh, in those uh, statements. How do we how do we reconcile? the 700 times the 701 times with the statements in in the gospels where jesus tells his disciples that if they reject you to knock the dust off and go what's the difference we don't know when
2: they're gonna
0: be the final rejection well but but neither did uh, the disciples Go ahead. Keep talking. You're building a relationship. You have built
4: a relationship by the 700th or whatever number. So to just cut them off because they haven't accepted the gospel yet would be better worse than not presenting it to them at all. I think.
0: Yeah. What's the difference between Rosaria coming over how many over time 400, 500 times, and the instructions that Jesus gave the disciples? The difference is rejection, yeah. their refusal. So don't, don't keep inviting somebody that always refuses. Um, but the, the person that does it, the person that is engaging, the person that is, they may not accept, right. but they're not pushing you away. See, the difference is Jesus told his disciples, if you go into a town and they absolutely reject you, then move on because there are lots that won't. Mm. And, and I, I wanted, to, wanted to point that out because that when I've, the first time I, I listened through that and, and I was thinking, well, Jesus gave different instructions and I had to really think about it for a while. Why are Jesus' instructions different in that case?
4: Would that hold true with family members?
0: Sure. If they reject your, your statements to them, if they rege- if if they are countering everything and not in, not wanting to engage, then don't engage them.
1: It'd
0: be awful hard. Oh yeah, it's hard. But
1: you still love
0: them. You still love them. Yeah, that's what this whole section was about was uh, uh, giving the truth in love. And I understand the the sentiments. I love to give truth, but when you got to temper it with love, sometimes that's really really hard. And, and I appreciate the comments that they made about who are, you, who are you speaking the truth for? I want to win this argument. Yeah. That's not the way to do it, right? Because that's not giving the truth in love. You, you want them to come to, to the knowledge of the truth. You want them to accept the truth. But when you're doing it for us, when we're so inwardly, inwardly focused, everything is about us. Everything that happens in the world is about us. When we're so inwardly focused, we cannot present the gospel properly. Because the gospel has become about me. And what did he say? It's not about me. It's about him. That's what we need to always remember. It's never about us. No part of the gospel message is about us. It's always about him. And that's so hard for us. Especially in this modern culture where you can have or do whatever you want. We have, we, have turned, we have turned the societal focus around from the betterment of society to the betterment of me. It's all about me. Not you, me. And, and when we do that, whether, whether it comes from the psychobabble the that, that gets pushed to, to our children in schools, or it's the, the indoctrination we get in going to work somewhere. We, it's all about me. You're important. Just look at the front page of many churches. That's all they talk about is how do you feel better? Well, I don't care how you feel better. That's not my job. That's not the church's job. That, that's your, your wife's job or your husband's job or <coughs> your therapist's job, although I question whether or not that's a real statement. You you can't be focused on on you. You have to be focused on him, and the person you're trying to to talk to. If you go into an argument, or a, let's not even say an argument, just a discussion, about you have to end the discussion by proving your point. You have to be victorious. You will never be victorious in what Jesus wants you to do. That's the result of what uh, of what they're talking about here. And I think engaging the truth with love is one of the hardest things we have to do as people that God has left in this world to do that very thing. I can't think of a harder task than engaging with love because sometimes that means we have to overlook that's probably the wrong phrase look past what they do and tell us a little bit about Rosario. You read her book?
4: Mm-hmm. Well, as as she said in the clip that we saw last week, she was a rabid feminist, and because of her rabid feminism, she was a lesbian. And
0: Which, by the way, makes no sense in my mind.
4: <laughs> makes sense in their mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, she was a, a college professor. You know, she was a very intelligent woman. She she wrote uh, papers and you know was very well respected in her field and the reason she was invited to the Smiths home was because she was trying promise keepers came into town and she was going to shoot promise keepers down that it was a bunch of nonsense and. She was doing. Re- she wanted to do research, and she wrote a letter to the editor. And Roy, Roy is his name. Yeah, I, think so. I think he wrote. He wrote to her, and invited her to dinner. And they just shared each other's point of view. They didn't really, you know, there was disagreement, but there was no argument. He was open with her, she was open with him, and there was no confrontation. They were just sharing. And eventually, she started, and she was asking questions, trying to understand his point of view. And eventually, the pieces started to fall in place in her mind. And there was another book that I read, a similar situation with a woman that was, uh, her fencing teacher was a believer and they just kept having this dialogue back and forth and eventually she became a believer and there was no there was no coercion Rosaria started went to church on her own she was not invited she just decided she wanted to go to see what it was all about
0: that is so countercultural to what we were trained in the 70s and 80s as Christians to do. Mm-hmm. The the movement of the '70s, the the evangelism explosion movement and so forth was you if you're going to talk to somebody about the gospel, you make sure you close the deal then because they may get run over by a bus tomorrow.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and you close the deal. You, you don't have a conversation unless you close the deal. What was the result of that? Was okay. nobody had the conversation?
4: We had more doors slammed in our faces. Yeah. Than
0: but that. but after a while. You, you don't want the imprint of the door in your face anymore, so you stop yeah. asking the question.
4: Or you get you get people that that uh, that pray the prayer just to get rid of you. Right. Right. And, yeah. and, and you know that's
0: that that I think I think the seventies and, and early eighties movement in the church in okay. in the West did more to hamper the spread of the gospel than than and, and I'm convinced it was satanically led than anything else in our history, with the possible exception of the Dark Ages, because we, we have we have two or three generations now of Christians that are afraid to have the conversation because they won't get to the end to close the deal, and so they don't have the conversation at all because they have to get to the end to do it right in their mind, and so. What we see in in the way uh, the Engagement Project is is instructing us is you've got to engage with people, and it may take a long time. I also appreciated his comment where he said you don't have to be big to be, be what was the word? Uh, um, Not impressive, but anyway. It's not about size. It's about who do you talk to and are you willing to just engage with them over a period of years? Maybe. Maybe, maybe You you can do it in one time.
4: You know, I I have friends that are are not believers they know I am Mm -hmm. and there are things that they will they will come to me about and talk to me about and I Very rarely do I get to say something about the gospel. I can, you know, I can give my experience, but, you know, they just—why do they do that? Right.
0: Uh, Yeah. You know,
4: someday I may have the chance to say, well, you know, maybe you ought to think about Christianity a little bit more than you have been.
0: I've told the story before of the guy that was my. uh, when I became a brand new detective, he was my sergeant and taught me how to be a detective. And I, I tried to live properly in front of him, present the gospel to him, have conversations with him for years. I worked with Bob for probably 15 years, off and on. And it was many years later, after he'd retired, when he came to know the Lord and we met up at a at a uh, old-timers reunion, and he said he's now a Christian because of what I said to him then. I didn't know, it. you know, I hadn't seen him in five or six years at that point. So how you engage with folks is all about doing it with love, doing it honestly, removing yourself. It's not about you. Jesus doesn't have a, 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 a scoreboard up there. Look, oh, Rich got another one, notch on my belt. You know, that's not the way he does it. Um, if anything, he's he's notching the belt when I'm when I'm disobedient, when I'm not engaging, when I'm not doing what he wants me to do. Okay, let's look at the uh, the the preview to uh, tour eight, the royal sacrifice.
1: Well, we just finished our tour on engaging with truth, and judging by the spirited discussions we have here, I hope you had the same. Our next tour is going to be quite different, and it's. Possible that it could be your most difficult tour. It is for me every time I go into this cave. Uh, I find myself almost Dreading going there But it's going to be worth it and I pray that you'll be there. God bless you. We are
0: uh, We're gonna to have to do next week's or the next tour in two sessions because it's like 57 minutes long and and so far I haven't found a convenient place where to break it but Otherwise, we'll be here for an hour. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, thank you for the insight that Dell has into how you want us to do things. Thank you for the folks that are asking questions there, for the, the work that's gone into producing this uh, series for us, and just causing us to have conversations about it. Allow us to have conversations focused on you and focused on the other person and not ourselves. Allow us to uh, engage with folks around us. Um, to do it with love, not out of a sense of, I, I have to win this argument, but always focused on you. Thank you for loving us. Give us a great time as we worship you uh, in the next hour through our fellowship and through our music and through our study. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching or listening to this teaching on demand from Friendship Grace Brethren Church. Please consider sending us an email at info at friendshipgracebrethren.com to let us know how this teaching may have helped you. Please also consider joining us in person at Friendship Grace Brethren Church, located at 10251 Metro Parkway, Suite 116, Fort Myers, Florida, just south of the intersection of Metro and Colonial Boulevard. Sunday school begins at 9 and worship service at 10 a.m. We look forward to seeing you in person at Friendship Grace Brethren Church.